the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is 4 o'clock on a Monday, Southern California Live on KKLA and KPRZ. I'm Bob Lapine. Congrats to the Rams on the victory yesterday, and I hope you have realized before now that today is Valentine's Day. If you are just now learning that today is Valentine's Day, if it's just now dawning on you, um, I guess there's still time. You can somehow redeem the day. We were talking in the, in the last hour about how much money was spent yesterday on on sports gambling. $7.6 billion spent. Valentine's Day. A lot of money spent on Valentine's Day. Billions of dollars spent to express love to a sweetheart, a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. In fact, I saw one statistic, the, the, the usual. So so here's, let me see if I can pull this up. The, just the uh, the rundown of how money gets spent on Valentine's Day. So in, in 2020, Valentine's Day spending was $27 billion. $27 billion with a B spent on Valentine's Day two years ago. Men spend an average of $291.15 on their ladies for Valentine's Day. And I will tell you that some men are spending a lot more than that because I didn't come anywhere near that with my wife, who said that's fine and she's glad I'm not spending a bunch. Women spend an average of $106.22 on their husbands or boyfriends. Now, can I just point out here, guys spending $291, women 106 I think we see who this holiday is for, don't we? Uh-huh. So what is the, what's it getting spent on? Where's that money going? $27 billion. Well, I'll give you the, the top five things the money is spent on in descending order. So we spend a little over a billion dollars on greeting cards, and that includes the ones that kids give to each other. Do they still do that? I used to take like 28 Valentines and give a Valentine to everybody in my class. I don't know if kids still do that or not. Anyway, $1.3 billion on greeting cards. Flowers, that's number two. Excuse me, number, number four. So greeting cards, number five. Flowers is number four. $2.3 billion will be spent on roses or other flowers at Valentine's Day. Just ahead of that in, in spot number three is candy. $2.4 billion spent on candy for Valentine's Day. So we got cards, flowers, candy. What what are the top two? Do you know? Can you think? Dining out is number two. Four point three billion will be spent dining out. 
And we did, my wife and I did have a meal for lunch today together, our Valentine's meal. So we contributed to that amount. The number one category, you know what it is, don't you? Jewelry. $5.8 billion spent in 2022, excuse me, 2020 on uh, jewelry. So that's that's what the number one. Now, actually, I told you that, that uh, greeting cards was number five. But there was actually the the real number five. You you want to know what we spent more on than greeting cards? Pet gifts, gifts for Fido or for Bruiser or Mittens. One point seven billion dollars on Valentine's gifts for your pet. So that's that's what that that's what today it's a it's a big industry for a lot of businesses the florists, the chocolatiers. This is a this is a, the Super Bowl for them Valentine's Day and and I trust that whatever is the appropriate expression of affection and love for you, that for those of you who are married particularly, I hope you are finding a way to express love for your spouse today in a way that your spouse will feel loved. You guys know about Gary Chapman's great book, The Five Love Languages, where he he talks about how sometimes we are trying to express love to our spouse in a way that is not their primary love language. We're thinking that love should look one way and they're they're wanting it another way. So he he has he has the five different ways that we express love to one another, quality time, gifts, words of affirmation, physical touch, and uh, I'm missing one. What's the one I'm missing? Hang on, I can pull this up. Quality time, words of affirmation, touch, physical touch. I got the list right here. Uh Quality time, acts of service, gifts, physical touch, and words of encouragement. Those are his five love languages. So sometimes we're, we're speaking words of encouragement to our spouse, and what they really want is some quality time. Sometimes we're doing acts of service and going, I'm trying to show you that I love you, and what they really want is physical touch. So we've got to learn each other's love languages to be able to, to do this. You know, we talked, I don't know how many of you heard Focus on the Family this morning at 7.30 on KKLA, but I I was uh, the guest on Focus on the Family. I wrote a book uh, a little over a year ago called Love Like You Mean It, where I looked at 1 Corinthians 13 and thought, what does this tell us in marriage about how we need to do a better job of loving one another as husband and wife? And we talked about that book this morning, talked about how we can express love to one another more effectively and and more biblically cuz cuz here's part of the part of the big idea of this book is that we have uh we have diluted our definition of love we have let pop songs and the Hallmark channel uh convince us that love is primarily an emotion when the bible tells us that it is something tougher something more durable something more rugged something a little grittier than hearts and flowers. And so we we need to readjust our thinking about what love is. But here on Valentine's Day, I thought it would be interesting to hear from you. Um, 
if, if you were sitting down with a couple and they said to you, what's your one piece of advice? This is, we'll, we'll say that this couple in their mid-20s, they just got engaged. The wedding is set for a couple of months from now. And they, they're just looking for marital advice. And they came to you and they said, what's your best advice from your experience, your years of marriage, your observation, things you've read? What would be the one piece of advice you would give to these couples. I'll, I'll tell you, I had to, I, I was with a group of pastors a number of years ago, and I asked these pastors, if, if um, you were giving a Bible verse, giving a passage to somebody who's about to get married, and you had to point them to what the Bible has to say about marriage, and you couldn't point them to Ephesians chapter 5, that's kind of the go-to Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her. Wives, respect your husbands, submit to your husbands. That's Ephesians 5. You couldn't use that. You couldn't use Colossians 3, which is kind of an abbreviated version of the same thing. You couldn't even use Genesis 2, which is where the Bible talks about the first marriage. What, what passage would you give to somebody? And these pastors had some good ideas. In fact, I'd, I'd be interested to know if there are any verses that God has used in your life, in your marriage, that you would pass on to somebody. And, and lines are open at 888-52-TALKS if you want to join us, 888-528-2557. Let me say that slower, 888-528-2557. Or you can email us at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. But I asked these pastors, I said, what, what verse would you use? And I remember one of them said, I would go to Ephesians 4, uh, verses 1 through 3, where it talks about walking in a manner worthy of your calling. And it talks about doing it with humility and forbearance. And then it goes on to say, being careful to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Said I would just say these are these are character qualities that need to be present in your marriage if you're going to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Somebody else said talking about unity, I'd take him to Philippians chapter two, where Paul says, "Make my joy complete by being of one mind, intent on one purpose." Somebody else said, "Now back to Ephesians four. There's the verse that says, "Don't let the sun go down on your anger." there's another verse in Ephesians 4 says, speak the truth in love. I was writing notes. These are all good verses for marriage, good advice for marriage. One of them said the end of chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4 is a good marriage chapter. The end of Ephesians chapter 4 says, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, only that which is uh, is fitting for the moment, that which gives grace to the hearer and and put away anger and wrath and malice, slander and abusive speech, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. These were all, I mean, these are great verses. But then I had a pastor turn to me and he said, the verse I would give them is the verse I proposed with. And I said, what's that? And he said, uh, Psalm 34, verse 3. And I had heard this verse before, but I had never thought about it in the context of marriage. 
I mean, I didn't know it by reference when he said Psalm 34.3. I had to look it up. But you know what Psalm 34.3 says? It says this, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I thought that's what marriage is supposed to be about. About a husband and wife magnifying the Lord together, exalting his name together. How can we do that better together than we could if we were separate? At the end of the day, that's the purpose for marriage. And that purpose gets lost in the midst of the Hallmark Channel and Rod McEwen poetry from the 60s. We lose sight of the fact that there's a bigger purpose. My friend Gary Thomas you know, says, what, what if marriage was more about your holiness than about your happiness? What if God's plan was more about what he wants to do in, and in you than about whether you're happy or not? God has bigger purposes in mind than just the joy or satisfaction we get in marriage. And look, I'm a fan. I like joy and, and satisfaction in marriage. I like romance. I like passion. I like all of it. But at the end of the day, that's not the bottom line when it comes to marriage. So what I want to hear from you in the time we've got together this hour, as we're thinking about Valentine's Day, as you're getting ready to maybe go home, maybe out on a date, maybe out to dinner, maybe it's just put the kids to bed and get a chance to talk. I don't know what your evening looks like. I don't know if you have any romantic ambitions about today or not, but I'd love to hear from you what counsel you would give to a couple in their 20s who are about to get married and they came to you and about to get married came to you and said what's the best piece of advice you could give us as we start our marriage together what's made the difference for you in your marriage or what have you seen make a difference in the marriages of others 88852 talks is our number 888528 2557. That's an appropriate Valentine's Day conversation, don't you think, for us to have? There's an article today in the uh, the Deseret News in Salt Lake City that talked about couples and, and what Valentine's Day 2022 looks like. It was really interesting. Uh, it said that uh, According to a uh, a survey done of 1,500 young adults, including 644 who were married, 410 who are cohabitating, and 456 who are in a relationship but not married or cohabiting. So they asked. So divided up, about a third married, now uh, 40 percent married. 30% living together, 30% dating but not living together. And they asked them three questions. Number one, where did you meet? Second question, how who, who asked who out for the first date? And then the third question is, how happy are you in the relationship right now? So first question, how did you meet? Well, here were their takeaways. Couples today are most likely, you know where the number one place couples are meeting are? Online. About a third of the couples in the survey had met online. Just under 20% had met at school. Uh, About 20% were introduced by friends. 
far fewer said we met at a bar or a restaurant or through family. And only one in 20 said we met at church. But this is interesting. When it came to being happily married, the report showed that if you met in a bar or a restaurant, you were least likely to be happy in your relationship today. Whereas if you met in church, you were at the top of the happiness scale. So not many people meeting in church, but if you meet at church, uh, 46%, no, what, three-fourths of those who met in church are very happy. Thought that was interesting. And then who makes the first move? Who asks who out on a date? It's still much more likely that a man is going to ask a woman out on a date. But it's increasing that women are making the first move. But here's what they found. In terms of relationship happiness, couples were much more likely to report that they are happier in the marriage if the man was the first one to ask out than if the woman was the first one to ask the man out. I don't know what you want to make of that. And then this this will not surprise you. When they ask who's very happy in their relationship now, what they found was those who are married are much more likely to be happy in their relationship than those who are living together. Those who are cohabiting, men and women, or dating cohabiting women and dating men were significantly less happy than married young men or married young women. The article sums it up this way. It says, it's interesting to find out that among a group of 35 and younger, married women are happier about their relationship than cohabiting women or women who are dating. It shows that when it comes to a relationship, happiness Uh, When it comes to relational happiness, commitment matters more than freedom. Some interesting statistics from this article from the Deseret News about dating, who asks who out. So how did it work for you? Who asked who out? Did that that matter? Where where did you meet? I'd be interested in your relationship. If if you would say on a a 10-point scale... When it comes to marital happiness, I'm married and I'm a 10 out of 10 on a 10-point scale. I, I'd love to talk to you and hear from you. What What is it that has caused you? I'd like, I'd like to dissect your relationship and figure out the keys to happiness. Because, again, we want to help those who are dating or those who are cohabiting to get a better picture of what leads to marital success. I, I will say this. One of the things that leads to marital success is not cohabiting and and not having sex before you get married. Did you know that? Wall Street Journal reported this last week. The, the, the headline in the Wall Street Journal, art, Journal article was, is it too risky to wed in your 20s? And the answer is not if you avoid cohabiting first. The article goes on. In fact, we'll talk more about this this afternoon. The article goes on to say that couples in their 20s, if you cohabit and then marry, the risk goes up as compared to those who marry without cohabiting. And and 
that goes against the thinking of those people who move in together. People who move in together think, we're going to try this out. We'll just test this and, you know, test the water, see what we think. And it's kind of a good, it's like training wheels. We'll, we'll ride the bike with training wheels till we get a, 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 a feel for it. And then we'll take the training wheels off. Turns out it's riskier for marital happiness to cohabit. And I know some of you are listening and go, well, okay, so I, I am cohabiting. So is there anything I can do? And yeah, there is something you can do. You can, you can get married. So, but, but it's risky. Well, the longer you cohabit, the higher the risk goes up. Cohabiting is not a biblical concept. You understand that, right? The Bible nowhere says, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and move in with his girlfriend, and the two shall pretend like they're married for a while, and then they'll get married after that. That's not how Genesis 2 goes. Some interesting points in this article from the Wall Street Journal that I'll share with you, but I really would like to hear from you. 888-52-TALKS is the number, 888-528-2557. We're going to turn you into the marriage counselors for the rest of this show, and I want to know your best piece of advice to couples who are thinking about getting married, and they want to know what makes the difference, what is the key to a happy marriage, how would you answer that? Call us at 888-52-TALKS. 888-528-2557, or email us at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I'll just just say this, okay? If if you call in and your spouse hears you calling in, you might get some extra points, some extra credit for that. They hear you calling in and saying, this is what leads to marital happiness. All right, we'll take your calls at 888-52-TALKS after this timeout as your Monday edition of Southern California Live continues. little marital advice there from, uh, I was going to say Phil Collins, but it's actually from Holland Dolitzer Holland from the, the Supremes before Phil Collins. That can't hurry love. We're talking about best advice you would give to a couple who is thinking about getting married, about their marriage going the distance. Lines are open. You're the counselor today, 888-52-TALKS. And pastors in particular, I know you've got what you share with couples when you do premarital counseling. Uh, Give us a call, 888-52-TALKS. Jonathan is on the line with us from Santa Clarita. Jonathan, thanks for calling Southern California Live this afternoon. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on. (laughs) Glad Uh, to have you on. So are are you married? Uh, Yes, sir. I actually just celebrated um, my third anniversary this past uh, December, and I love my wife more now than from the first day I met her. <laughs> That's great. Uh, that, and it's nice to hear that said on Valentine's Day. I hope she's listening. <laughs> yeah, I hope she is too. <laughs> so, so after three um, years of marriage, what advice would you give to a rookie? There's there's two things I realized, and you know, uh, maybe people disagree with me, but you know what? Scripture says that uh, life is difficult. But Scripture also says that marriage has always been designed to be a blessing. And I think sometimes we like to blame the difficulties on the people around us, as opposed to just understanding that life is difficult and it challenges who you are as a Christian. It, it, sometimes it brings to the surface our, our anger and our, you know, basically our sin. 
Um, and marriage has humbled me a lot. It's, it's, it's taught me how selfish I can be, mm-hmm. but it's also taught me how wonderful the person is that I'm doing life with and how much of a blessing she is in my life. And, you know, the, the things that stir up in me that I realize is just how I adapt to life. Those are things that the Lord needs to, you know, help me with and the things that I need to give over to him, whether it's, you know, confessing sin, dealing with, uh, personal issues and, and letting my wife be a part of that. You know, we're, we're a team. We tackle every weakness together. Um, you, you know, you've hit on reminding you, myself that, yeah. You, you, you've hit on something I think so important, which is that uh, that a part of God's design for marriage is for our sanctification, for for sin to be brought to the surface, to be exposed, and to be to be uh, skimmed off in a marriage relationship. And and so I think that's a hundred percent right. That uh, I, I tell couples when I'm sitting with them, when you have a problem in marriage, when you have conflict, because you will, you're going to get sideways with each other. You're gonna, not going to see things the same way. When that happens, instead of seeing the other person as the problem, if both of you can articulate, here's what the problem is. Here's what we don't agree on. You're not the problem. I'm not the problem. Let's address, let's write down what the problem is or what we don't agree on. And then let's both of us work on the problem rather than thinking it's the right. other person that's the problem. I think that that's huge. Amen. I, yeah, and that's that's where we go out with our arguments, and you know, and when when you're angry, you you don't want to you don't want to calmly reflect on what the problem is. You just want to <laughs> lash out. So it, it takes uh, it takes patience and understanding. But you know, to to know that my my wife is never the problem in the situation. She's the blessing. It really helps me keep that perspective. And she's she's a she's a gift of God to me. So. so you said two things. Is that the one, or is that both of them together? Uh, kind of the both. Is, is that you know we need to understand that life is difficult, but God designed marriage to be a blessing. That's a great and if word. We lose sight of the fact that it's a blessing, then we'll we'll turn it into something it doesn't have to be. Marriage yeah. never has to be a problem. It can always be a blessing. Jonathan, so good. Thank you for calling. Uh, 888-52-TALKS is the number, 888-528-2557. We're getting your best counsel that you would give to a couple that is about to get married here on Valentine's Day. What would be your advice for what can make a marriage go the distance? And maybe, by the way, maybe it's advice you had to learn the hard way through through things that didn't work out in a relationship. Tom's on the line with us from Oceanside. Tom, thanks for calling Southern California Live. Hey, Scott, great show. I love your show. Well, I appreciate uh, it. Thank yeah, you for calling. Thank you for, thanks for the opportunity. I would just say there's there's a Bible verse uh, that says something like, uh, only be completely humble and gentle. And I think that that is really important. I it, it took me a long time to learn this, but, you know, my wife could be having a bad day. She can have a problem she's experiencing. It has nothing to do with me. <laughs> so I used to be, oh, no, she's unhappy. I must be doing something wrong. And it really is a selfish way to look at things when a, you boil it right down. Uh, so just giving that other person some space to, to feel what they feel and uh, have the moods that they have doesn't necessarily have to do with you. Well, I think that's. Let me just say, I think that's a great observation because I've had the same thing, and I think as guys, we tend to 
uh, we, we tend to assume if our wife's not happy, we must be there. It's our job to make you happy. So if, if so, I must be failing at my job and yet it can be like you said, something else is going on in your wife's life and you just need to give them space and be there. And how can I help? And, and not just assume that it's all because of you. Right. You know, and, and it also, it took a long time to learn that, um, you know, I, I can be, uh, I can be very selfish and, that uh, I just need to uh, just listen. I mean, just stop what I'm doing and listen. And mm-hmm. so if I do that, I think I'm, I'm better off. You know, I can only uh, change me. I can't change the other person. Yeah, so what can right. I do to change me in this situation? And I've told so many couples that in doing counseling or at conferences, I've said, if you came to this conference or if you came to me thinking, you've got to fix my spouse, I'm not even going to talk to your spouse. The only person I'm going to talk to is you. And I'm, I'm being a little bit tongue in cheek, but I'm trying to make the point. Uh, if you're focused on the log or excuse me, the speck in your spouse's eye, you need to pull back and, and just say, where are the, the logs in my own eye, in my own heart? that need to be dealt with. And and I'll share this to you with you, Tom, and with everybody. I've, I said this yesterday in church, preached on marriage yesterday at church, and I said, uh, if there's one verse in the Bible that would solve about 85% of the marriage problems I've come across in my ministry, that verse is Philippians 2.3. And it's a verse that says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. You apply that verse in a marriage context. If a husband and wife, the only conflict you have is you're more important than me. No, you're more important than me. If, if, if you are putting the other person first, that clears up so many other issues because the thing you started with humility and gentleness, the thing that derails a marriage is selfishness and pride and a self-focus. And, and Tom, I appreciate your call. 888-52-TALKS is our number here on Southern California Live. We're taking your best marriage advice, what you would pass on to a couple who is engaged and about to be married here on Valentine's Day. Monica is on the line in Glendale. Monica, welcome to Southern California Live. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for letting me talk. <laughs> yeah, you bet. Glad uh, to have yeah, you here. I just was... Yes. I just want to say that uh, I've been married 20 years hmm. already, and uh, for us that works, it, it was a counseling uh, many times, and also uh, to be quiet in those moments that you cannot manage, you know, uh, stay quiet is better than say things that then you regret. Um, but yeah, and, uh, and just be patient. Be patient because uh, it requires a lot of patience. <laughs> and, and it's not easy to be patient, and it's not easy to be quiet in some of those situations. What can, can you tell us when it was or how you knew we need to get some help, we need to get some counseling? Yeah. Uh, in those moments when uh, the, other, the other person uh, doesn't want to listen or... Um, uh, he's not getting the message in my in in my case. Um, I try to communicate sometimes, and my husband doesn't uh, receive the message that I want to say. So that in that moment, I um, I always uh, ask for comforting, and it works. 
I, I think it's so smart. And, and Monica, I'm glad you brought it up because I think a lot of Christian couples think counseling is what you go to if your marriage is is uh, facing divorce or if you're in a really terrible situation. I think all couples, when, when you get sideways, when when you can't see things the same way and and you need somebody else to come in and say, Help us with how we're thinking. Where where am I not thinking right here? Where is my spouse not thinking right here? Help us find a way into to the middle ground or where we need to be. If if one person is way over on the wrong side, get get a godly spiritual counselor, somebody who knows the Bible, come sit down with you. It can be a pastor, it can be an elder, it can be a, a spiritually minded friend. It may need to be a therapist or somebody that you can talk to and and get at it at a deep level because there may be trauma involved. There may be past hurts that are significant that have to be addressed. But but for the most part, if two people can say, okay, here's our goal. Our goal in all of this is to bring honor and glory to God. That's the goal. If that's the goal, then you should be able to sit down with with godly-minded people who can help you make that your practice, your objective in marriage. And so to get counseling when you're locked up and, and are sideways on something, that's not a badge of shame. That's a badge of wisdom. The, the couples who don't get counseling and continue in their dysfunction because they're too proud to go get somebody to speak to it or to help them, those are the couples who who need help. 888-52-TALKS is our number, 888-528-2557. Here's what we're doing. It's Valentine's Day. We are we are getting your best advice, what you would pass on to a couple who is engaged, thinking about getting married, and they're saying, give us your a pro tip. What would you say is the best advice that has helped your marriage go the distance, that has helped you love one another, that's gotten you through the hard times, is there a Bible verse? Is there a passage? Is there a principle? Something you've learned? 888-52-TALKS is the number. 888-528-2557. We'll continue with your calls after we take a time out you, as your Monday edition of Southern California Live continues. Southern California Live on KKLA, KPRZ. I'm Bob Lapine. Valentine's Day edition, we're talking about what advice you would give to a couple thinking about getting married. What's the best marriage advice you've gotten or you've learned over the years? What helps a marriage go the distance? 888-52-TALKS is the number. 888-528-2557. Victor is on the line in North Hollywood. Victor, thanks for calling Southern California Live. Yes, hello. Um, my best advice would be uh, to read your Bible. I've been with my wife now 25 years, and uh, we've been through our ups and downs. And I understand maybe some people want some uh, an easier answer, but reading your Bible is the best because you get closer to Christ. And as you get closer to Christ, you start understanding Christ, and then you start living more like Christ. Mm-hmm. And you start learning how to forgive easier. It takes time, but it's it's worth it, you know. Have you been reading the Bible as a couple throughout your 25 years, or is that something that's happened more recently? It's been more recently, yeah. It's way more recently. And, you know, it's more... Um, 
I would love to sit right here and tell you guys that we sit down as a couple and read it because uh, it doesn't happen like that all the time. But I know I read my Bible more, and it helps me to learn how to forgive faster, uh, for me to have more patience, for me to see life different, um, more spiritually, that this is not what it's all about, you know. There's more to it, and, and reading your Bible is going to teach you that. God's Word is living, it's active, it's powerful, it changes us, and as we grow more and more into the image of Christ, marriage gets sweeter and better, doesn't it? Oh, yes. Amen to that. I never <laughs> Trust me, I didn't believe it. I was like, oh, this is just all fake. And But no, it is. The more you read your Word, the more you're going to want to pray to God, the more you're going to want to listen to Him, what He has to say to you. And you're going to read your Word, and, and, and it's going to change your life. It starts changing your heart completely. Trust mm-hmm. me, it does. Good good word from you uh, today, Victor. Thanks for calling in and uh, joining us on Southern California Live. Eddie is with us in Woodland Hills. Eddie, welcome to Southern California Live. Just put it in there. Put it in there. You're, you're on the radio, Eddie. Yeah, hi. Hey, how are you, sir? <laughs> Who are you talking to there? Yeah, I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for calling. So what advice would you have for a couple thinking about getting married? Well, knowing that uh, my golden will be next year, I think I have more seniority than the rest of the callers so far. There you go. You're coming up on 50 next year? 50 next year. Way to go, man. Congratulations. Yeah, well, I will say the positive first. Yes. Without her, I would have two grandsons. Oh, I... Really happy with my two grandsons so far. <laughs> one is uh, 14 and one is uh, 7. Anyway, the Bible says, uh, uh, Proverbs one twenty seven three. 3. Uh, grandchildren are the crown of the parents. And uh-huh. Psalm 1, uh, anyway, the grandchildren are really my, my crown. But this thing started with Adam and Eve. Look it up. It's Genesis 3, 6. Genesis 3, 6. I've been trying to solve this problem before, but I think God finally gave me with my other pastor because I think 95% of pastors do not believe that Eve, Eve had uh, intimate relations with the devil. Are you familiar with that? I'm, this, I've, I've never heard that suggested. And I, so where, do, where are you getting that from Genesis 3, 6? Because uh, Eve got totally beguiled by the devil. And if you go back to the original Hebrew, it's espatio. That means to lie with a woman. Yeah? Just wait and see. Out of that liaison, he got the virginity out of Eve. And then the first born son is Cain, whose father is the devil. That's Jim, John 8, 44. That, you write this down. That this will prove everything. The, the first born of Eve was Cain, and again. Yeah, no, 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 no Eddie, Eddie, hang on, hang on, hang on, because because I, 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 uh, I, I want to be kind here, but I, I think you are reading into the scriptures what's not there because the man and the woman uh, were naked and not ashamed in marriage in Genesis two. There, it was not that Eve was a virgin when the devil came along, and uh, and. 
uh, Cain was not the the uh, the fruit of her womb from her liaison with the devil. That's that's not what the Bible teaches, and and. That's what you say, but the original Hebrew say so. Uh, if you look it up with the uh, Hebrew espatio, it was totally beguiled. Also, so, in, uh, so I think she was beguiled. Yes, I think she was deceived. I don't think she was seduced. And I think that's where you're reading something in here, Eddie. And I, I appreciate your call, but I, I think I, I think my friend, you you uh, your uh, your exegesis here is in need of some help. So. Um, Thanks for calling. Uh, let's go to Aurora in West Covina. Aurora, thanks for calling Southern California Live. Hi, good evening. Um, I just wanted to add, at least for the women, to um, to remember to that your husband's not going to meet all your needs. So you do need your girlfriends to help balance you. You know, mm. the friends that you're going to go shopping with, the friends that you're going to do Bible study with, the friends that, you know what I mean? So that... Yes. The woman doesn't go in thinking, oh, he's going to meet all my needs, because that's just very unrealistic for the man, you know, and unrealistic for her to think that way about him, because then he's human, and she, he's, he's going to let her down just as she's going to let him down. So, that's such um, that's those, such a great insight here, and, and I'll, just, I'll just add to that, Aurora, for, two things. First of all, I recognized as a husband that when my wife had had time to go out and do things with her girlfriends, when she came home, I I got a refreshed, revitalized, a wife who, I mean, she had life back in her, her life. It was good for me that she got some time with her girlfriends. And then I just, I'd add to that as well. Uh, it's not just the husband and the girlfriends, but ultimately she's got to look to Jesus to be the one who is going to be her source and her supply. Yeah, God did not make a husband to meet all of a wife's needs. In fact, he says, come to me with those needs. And then, yes, have a social network that goes beyond just your marriage. That's that's good advice, and I'm, I appreciate you calling and sharing it with us this afternoon, Aurora. Joe is on the line in San Diego. Joe, what advice would you have for a couple getting married soon? say a prayer for you. That was a very, very tough conversation from that fellow that was reading what he read. Great. So may God bless you with some relief. You handled that beautifully. Um, I just just, uh, lost a marriage of uh, 23 years because I stopped praying with my wife, and we Mm. didn't cohabitate. So we did everything right up front. But then as the marriage went on, I just stopped leading my wife in prayer. And so eventually we just grew apart. So my advice to people, they're going to do what they want to do. I, I think cohabitation is, is not good. Yeah. That's proved that. But if you're, if, you're, if you're with somebody and you think you love them, put that before Jesus. And uh, You know, the, the prayer together, what you're talking about is there's a spiritual intimacy that happens when a husband and wife pray together that draws and bonds and unites them in a way that that nothing else will. And, you know, Joe talked about isolation. The natural drift in every relationship is a drift toward isolation. You don't drift closer together. You drift apart. 
That's what's going to happen in marriage unless you are being intentional and proactive to try to work to press your marriage together. And, and Joe, that's a great point. And I think prayer is at the heart of that. It's the center of that. And um, sorry for your circumstance and the loss in your marriage, but uh, that's, that's a good cautionary word for others. Uh, 888-52-TALKS is our number. Richie is on the line with us. in. Uh, oh, yeah, Joe, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean, well, no, I guess we lost you there. Sorry, Joe. Richie, go ahead and Diamond Bar. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, hi, thanks. Just a quick shout-out to my love, my life, Andrea. Annie, I love you with everything. And, uh, hey, I just wanted to bring up, you know, you need to be transparent with everything in life because, man, it's the most important thing to be real open and transparent about everything in life. It doesn't matter how small it is, how big it is. If I could go back and redo things, I would be transparent, and I think that's very important for a newlywed. Were you, uh, you, you were saying in the early years there were some things that you were just embarrassed to let your wife know and you kept them hidden? Yes, sir. And hiding things is another life. That's you living a different life that she doesn't know about, and that is not that is not good. You need to let your wife into your life. You guys are one in a marriage and you guys need to be best friends and act as one and and never lie to each other and always be transparent with everything. You, you know, know I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story that ties into this and it's I wrote about this in in my book Love Like You Mean It because one of the things 1 Corinthians 13 says is that love rejoices in the truth. And I told the story about coming home from the grocery store one day and uh, while I'd been at the grocery store, I had the list that Marianne had given me. She wanted me to get all of these things, and I, I got all of the right things. But as I was walking down the chip aisle, there was this bag of Cheetos that was not on our list. And I just thought, I want those Cheetos. And so I, I bought the Cheetos, but then on the way home, I'm thinking, she's not going to be happy that I bought the Cheetos. And so I thought, I'm just going to hide them in the garage. She doesn't have to know that I bought Cheetos, you know. So I, I hid them out there. I come in, and Marianne says, uh, so did they have everything at the store? I said, yeah. She said, did you buy anything else? And I said, I bought some grapes because I had. They were not on the list, and I bought some grapes. And yeah. um, and and then she she's, uh, she finds the receipt, and listed on the receipt are the Cheetos. And she goes, what about the Cheetos? And I went, oh, well, she, I, I got busted. And here's the thing. It wasn't about the Cheetos. It was about my wife looking at the receipt and going, can I trust my husband? Trust is fragile in a relationship. You break trust, it's hard to rebuild it. It can be rebuilt, but it's hard. Don't let that undermine your marriage. That's We've had such good advice this afternoon on Valentine's Day, talking about love and marriage. All of you have, have, have chimed in with good advice, and I appreciate your calls, and I hope you have a wonderful Valentine's Day. And uh, hope you're able to uh, continue to cultivate love in your marriage. And we'll see you back again tomorrow for another edition of Southern California Live. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.